News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Okay, let's turn to events in the Middle East. Uh, we're joined by Beltru, international correspondent uh, for The Independent, currently in Tel Aviv. Uh, uh, Bel, just bring us up to speed. What is uh, the latest? I, I see reports of Israel uh, striking targets in Gaza, Syria and the West Bank. Yeah, so there's now been concerns that this is fast developing into a more region-wide uh, war because you've got quite a high level of cross-border exchange of fire in the north of Israel um, between Israel and militants in, in Lebanon, Hezbollah. That's increased. We also had strikes on, um, well, reported strikes. Israel doesn't comment on strikes in Syria, um, in airport, two airports in Syria. We've had very, very heavy um, bombardment of Gaza after Israel said it was going to escalate its strikes. Um, because it looks like this anticipated ground invasion is being put on pause for now. And they also had quite rare aerial strikes in the West Bank. Um, Israel said that they were targeting a mosque there. A pretty stark warning as well from the Israeli uh, Prime Minister to Hezbollah. Yes. So actually, I was in the north of the country along that border um, just uh, two days ago, and there's been stark warnings said to me by diplomatic advisors to the government by military commanders and now of course by Netanyahu that basically saying to Hezbollah if you get involved in this war if you actually launch a full-out war from the north down um, into Israel you you know you risk your future one advisor to the government government told me um, that Beirut would not exist as it currently does which is a very strong um, sort of almost inflammatory statement to uh, saying basically, don't do it. And I think, you know, there's obviously concerns that Israel will be fighting on two fronts and also concerns that this would basically turn into a Middle East war, which would be devastating for the civilian population here. And just before you go, um, what is the situation in relation to human- humanitarian aid? Is there any aid getting through? Is there much aid getting through? There's a tiny, tiny trickle of aid in, in, in comparison to what is needed getting into Gaza. I think there's about 14 trucks that went in yesterday. There were 20 before. Just to put this in context, usually there's hundreds of trucks of aid that goes into Gaza every day. And that's usually in peacetime or peace-ish time where, you ha- where they have access to electricity and water and, and other supplies. It's absolutely catastrophic in Gaza right now. I'm on the phone to doctors and civilians every single day in the Strip. They're having to improvise. They're using vinegar to, to clean burns. They've out of burns, um, sorry, to clean wounds. They've run out of burns dressings. They're running out of all medicines. They're conducting surgeries without anesthesia. I'm talking to civilians who don't have access, running out of access to water, to food, and they're under in very heavy bombardment. It's, it's devastating for the more than 2 million people who live in Gaza. Beltru, international correspondent for The Independent. Thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast. Uh, let's get the take of uh, Ghassan Abu Sitta, a plastic and reconstruction surgeon uh, with Doctors Without Borders, currently working in the Shifa Hospital in Gaza. Um, uh, Ghassan, I don't know if you heard Bell there talking about the catastrophic situation, having to use vinegar to clean wounds, uh, no uh, anaesthetics, no anaesthesia uh, uh, available. Uh, is that a, is that a picture you you recognise? Absolutely, and to add to all that, the electricity has started to cut out in the hospital frequently and for longer periods of time. Uh, just day in day out, the situation becomes more bleak. Our um, orthopedic surgery colleagues have told us that they've run out of external fixators, which are the pins and the rods that you need to fix these kinds of. Uh, horrendous fractures that you have in blast injuries and we are just running out of everything 
Um, but also, it's not just supplies that are being consumed. The staff is being consumed. My colleagues are... Oh, we seem to have lost uh, Gassan. Uh, Gassan, we oh, you're there, you're back, the Gassan. We had a surgery Great. department who was killed when his house was bombed. And so... Gassan, you're just coming slightly in and out. Hello. Uh, yeah, hi, Gassan. We can hear you. You're just coming slightly in and out. You were just, you were just saying. Uh, yeah. You were talking about how difficult your your working conditions are. How impossible those working conditions are. So, so even even more with regards to the consumables and the lack of uh, of regular electricity, the staff are both emotionally and physically exhausted. A lot of the staff have lost family members, have lost their homes. We lost one of our plastic surgery colleagues when his house was bombed. And so the, 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 the attrition is both within the supplies and within the human resources in the hospital. And the number of patients far exceeds what the hospital can, can cope with. And so we have patients on the floor sleeping on mattresses, in the corridors, on, on trolleys, in the, um, um, in the emergency department. The system is just falling apart around us and we can barely keep up with the sheer number of wounded. Uh, if you do run out of fuel, um, um, uh, how catastrophic will that be? What, what will the, I presume that means you can, you'll be incredibly limited in what you can do. I presume it, does it mean no electricity, for example, in the, in the hospital? Absolutely. The, the hospital is completely dependent on electricity generators for electricity for 24 hours a day and so what will happen is is that we can no longer run the operating theaters because you can't have the lighting or the anesthetic machine can run the intensive care units we now have five intensive care areas just to try to care for all of the critically ill patients um, without electricity this hospital is going to turn into a mass grave that's basically it you can bandage people in the dark and that's and wait for them to die uh, just before we let you go, and we really appreciate you talking to us in, in such difficult circumstances, Gassan, how difficult is it for you personally? I mean, it must be a huge strain on you um, working in these conditions, seeing the suffering that you're, you're seeing. How, how are you doing personally? Um, just tired. We, I mean, I do between 16 to 18 hours of surgery a day and then have five or six hours sleep. And emotionally, you're just... It's overwhelming the number of kids that are being wounded, the stories from the kids that you hear, the amount of human suffering that, that, that these families have been put through um, is, is just beyond what the mind can cope with. And so you just concentrate on the surgery and you get through the day and then at night you fall asleep through the bombing just out of sheer fatigue. And then you start up the following morning and it's just day in, day out like that with no, with no respite at all. And just the, um, the stories that, that, you know, I had a 15-year-old boy yesterday who told me how after dinner um, the, he didn't hear the missile land, but it hit their house. And his dad, who was sitting next to him, was killed and his mother suffocated in the fire. Uh, uh, because they couldn't get at her out and he had extensive burns on his face and arms and legs and you know before that it was a one-year-old child with really severe facial burns his parents were not injured but they are b- beyond beyond inconsolable 
and it's just that kind of just the, 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 the level of pain and suffering that the Israelis have been inflicting on people in Gaza is beyond belief. Gassan, thank, thank you so much for talking to us. You're doing an extraordinary job there and, and thank you for, for uh, taking time uh, from your incredible workload to, to come and, and talk to us about the horrific situation in, in, in which you find yourself. Thank you indeed, uh, Gassan uh, Abu Sitta there, uh, a plastic and reconstruction surgeon with Doctors Without Borders, um, currently working at the Shifa Hospital in Gaza. That is, it's humbling, Kira, isn't it? I think it's extraordinary that we can actually talk to somebody who is is working under those circumstances, t- to to be honest. I, I can't imagine the suffering that, that he's seeing and that he's experiencing. No. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.